Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. Do you hear this extra vibrancy in my voice? Yay, yay! It's because one of my favorite people on the planet happens to be my guest this morning, Chief Veterinary Officer at Purina, Dr. Kurt Venator. Hello, Dr. Venator. Hey, Steve. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we have a serious issue we want to talk about, and that's domestic violence. How do animals, why am I doing this on a pet show? How is this intertwined with animals, companion animals in particular? Sure, that's a great question. And you know what? Let me start with a few statistics, because I think those statistics will help bring this to life. Because it is a surprise to people, I think, at times. We know that 48% of domestic violence victims will not leave an abusive relationship out of fear of what may happen to their pet. We also know that 70% of domestic violence victims uh, have seen their abuser either threaten, injure, or kill their pet. And then you combine that with the fact that only 15% of domestic violence shelters in the U.S. allow pets. Clearly, pet ownership is an obstacle to individuals and families trying to heal and escape domestic violence. And obviously, that's not good for individuals, families, or the pets. And And so we've really tried to focus on how can we create awareness around this issue Mm -hmm. and how can we provide solutions uh, throughout the United States. And I want to talk about some of those solutions that are happening. And I want to add one more statistic. It's a real simple one. Most people in America have a pet, and that includes victims of domestic violence. So here's what happens. Something happens in the household. Children are abused. It may begin, it's not uncommon, where the animal is abused first, or it could be spousal abuse. But whatever the abuse may be, victims are worried about reporting this to anyone because the perpetrator used the animals as leverage, if you will, and threaten, if you do this, I am going to hurt or worse, do something like kill and it happens. Your pet. Can you talk about that? Yes, certainly. You know, we became aware of this issue uh, a number of years ago when we first uh, heard those statistics, and we looked at some of the leaders in the domestic violence shelter space, uh, and and they, they brought this to life. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of speaking with some survivors of domestic violence and hearing their personal stories about how the pet was being leveraged uh, in the way you just described. And it's, um, it's terrible. And, and oftentimes people feel like they don't have an option. And as you and I know, and your, your listeners know, you know, pets are part of our family. And so if someone is using a pet uh, for a position of power or abuse and then leveraging that, A, that's terrible for the pet, but it's terrible for the family as well. Uh, And so anything that we can do to raise awareness around this issue and then even work on potential solutions and get people, you know, nonprofits, corporate groups, associations involved in the solution, to me, that's, you know, that's just the right thing to do. So part of the solution is to find a way to escape the violence. And the problem is that the perpetrator often says, if you leave, I am going to hurt the animal, or if you leave, I am going to fill in the blank. And people are afraid anyway. I've talked to victims as well. And it takes a great deal of courage to leave 
the situation, and it makes it more difficult when the perpetrator says, well, you threaten to leave, I'm going to hurt the animal. Correct. And, th- and that's why developing a-, a system where domestic violence shelters in the U.S. can allow pets is so important because it gives that, that individual, that family, uh, an opportunity to escape and not have to worry about what happens to their pet. Again, I mean, think about that number. Only 15% of domestic violence shelters in the U.S. allow pets. Uh, and, and so that is, that's, that's a real hurdle for people with pets trying to escape domestic violence. And as you've heard these stories, and Steve, you and I were in New York City uh, speaking, speaking to victims and hearing the heartfelt stories, yeah. it's, uh, it's, 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 it's harrowing. It's, it's, it's challenging. I mean, oftentimes these folks are fleeing in the middle of the night. Um, you know, they're going to grab their pet. Uh, they may bring a leash, you know, but they're not going to have bowls and, and, you know, all the other, uh, you know, supplies that they need for their pet because they're trying to just escape and they're trying to build, bring their pet, their loved one with them. And so that's a, that's a very challenging, you know, situation to be in. And so I think the dream here was, well, what happens if we could increase that percentage of domestic violence shelters in the U.S. to, to have, you know, move from 15% up to a higher number? So that we can provide a vehicle, you know, an area of safety that people wanting to flee domestic violence can bring their pets and it no longer becomes the obstacle that it often is today. You know, I'm not great with numbers, but as I recall, before Purina got involved and the PAWS Act was passed by Congress, that number just a couple of years ago was even lower than the percent, your 15 percent you're talking about now. Correct. Yeah, I think when we first started working on this years ago, Steve, and you moderated a wonderful conference uh, that we had in New York City to raise uh, attention around this issue, I, I think the number was more around 10%. So the, the, the beautiful thing is there's been some movement in a very positive direction here. Um, but I think we know at Purina and with some of our partners and other organizations that if we all work collectively together with a goal and a vision and a mission in mind, we're going to be able to affect even more change. And part of that mission, it's a complicated mission, and there are lots of lots of prongs to it, but part of that mission is to simply offer a place to go for people, for their entire families. Now, if they don't take the pets with them, not only is there a concern about what will happen to the pets, but you're breaking up the family, and usually, usually, not always, but usually there's a, a child or children involved and leaving the pet behind concerns the children, but also bringing the pet with is a form of therapy, if you will, for the children. Oh, Steve, 100%. We know that you know pets are such an integral component of our lives, especially when, when you're experiencing you know, turmoil in your life. Um, and the way we look at this is, is the, the critical importance that pets play in the lives of survivors. So as companions, as healers, and four-legged family members, um, you know, especially during those kinds of crisis. So, I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head. If we can offer more solutions and more opportunities for people to escape these abusive situations and bring their pet, it's a win-win for everybody. Indeed. And, you know, when we come back, I want to talk about what folks might be surprised about regarding Chicago. And I also want to know, Dr. Venator. I mean, your passion about this topic is clear. Why is Purina, a pet food company, even interested in this? And we'll talk about all of that 
when we come back with Chief Veterinary Officer of Purina, Dr. Kurt Venader. Dr. Kurt Venader, Chief Veterinary Officer at Purina. We're talking about domestic violence. And yes, our companion animals can't be left behind. And the family needs to be kept together, as, as we've talked about. So based on, you mentioned that I've been involved with this issue too, Dr. Venader, and I went to meet with some folks in Chicago uh, this was a couple of years ago. I forget their titles. Something like the director of housing or, or something like that. An alderman who does care about this, who's a social worker and agrees with all of this. He's retiring, unfortunately. Good for him, but he's retiring as a, an alderman. Uh, but uh, what I learned is at that time, and I'm not sure it's any different today, there wasn't a single bed in a city the size of Chicago that allows for companion animals, in part because it's all dormitory-like housing, and there's no ability to do that, it was felt. Concerns about allergies and some other things as well. So there isn't a single single place in Chicago. Uh, I was shocked by that. Well, it's, it's often the case, Steve. I mean, there's really three models, right? And, and I think if you talk to the experts, the, the gold standard model is to actually provide a, a shelter environment in which the pet can live with the family, right, as part of, of, of the family in, in the room. Um, but sometimes because of just the way the buildings are structured and other constraints, that's not possible. The other two, as, as you're aware, the other two options are often – uh, kenneling, you know, uh, either on site separately from where the people are living, um, or, or an ancillary facility. And then the third one is fostering. But obviously, you know, knowing the power of the human animal bond and that pets in our lives and even just petting a dog, right? Let's say we'll take a dog as an example. Even just petting a dog can help, you know, reduce our, our cortisol levels and make us feel better. Uh, you know, that's the gold standard. But really, you know, we'd, we'd like to just create awareness around this so that any model that's available to allow people to uh, escape domestic violence with their pets, that's, that's a great option. But how do, how do we do that? Part of it's just, you know, first, first, it's increasing awareness. It's having conversations like this yeah. with, with folks like you with the platform to, to help spread the word and the opportunity that's out there. Well, the platform ends in about two minutes here just for time. Uh, but, yep. By the way, I do want to say Anti-Cruelty Society in Chicago and Pause Chicago do offer ability to care for these animals temporarily. But as you point out, I mean, keeping them with the family is by far best for everyone Tell me in the time we have remaining here about the Purple Leash Project. You bet. So the Purple Leash Project, it's an initiative uh, between Purina and an organization called Red Rover. And the goal is to raise awareness uh, about this important issue. Um, It's a national initiative to create more pet-friendly domestic violence shelters across the U.S. To date, um, Purina has provided uh, 34 grants, totaling over $700,000, providing thousands of safe nights for survivors with their pets. Um, and since the uh, Purple Leash Project was founded in 2019, Purina's provided more than $1 million in funding, and we are working closely together with our wonderful partner, Red Rover, towards a goal of helping to ensure that at least 25% of domestic violence shelters are pet-friendly by the year 2025. 
I'm hoping that we do get there. I'm optimistic about it. We literally now only have 30 seconds left. I promised to ask this question, and I know you can do it in, in 30 seconds. Why is Purina, a pet food company, a good one, but a pet food company, why does the pet food company care about this issue? Well, Steve, at the core of everything we do, and I'm a veterinarian at the pet food company, and so it's very near and dear to my heart, but we always want pets and people you know, to be together. Uh, and obviously we do that as a nutrition company through high-quality advanced nutrition to help them long, healthy lives. But the other important component is to really enrich the beautiful bond between pets and the people who love them. And this is an important way uh, to do that. All right. Well, you are a great spokesperson for this issue for sure, Dr. Kurt Venader, Chief Veterinary Officer of Purina. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much, Steve. Jeff Katz is a founding member of the Lakeview Dog Park Council. We have dog parks or dog-friendly areas, as they're called in Chicago, all over the city. We need more in certain parts of the city that I've talked about before. But, Jeff, you've hit some stumbling blocks as far as to try to get this one off the ground. Yes, that's right. We um, first got approved by the Park District back in uh, July of 2019, uh, since that time, we've incorporated as a non-for-profit Illinois corporation. We've gotten over 5,000 signatures on our petition. We've done all of the uh, uh, monthly site reviews. We've, we've had the three community meetings. Uh, we've done everything that uh, is in the uh, process that's published by the Park District. Uh, however, unfortunately... Uh, we've run into a bit of a stumbling block with some of our local elected officials. Yeah, so, you know, and, and the interesting thing is that you mentioned all those signatures. All those people don't have dogs. The community, the people who live nearby, say it's fine by us. And we know that people without dogs will sometimes even walk to a dog park for entertainment. That's true. And if you think about what the you know, major benefits of uh, a dog park or a dog-friendly area are, uh, primarily it's to keep dogs that are running off-leash corralled in a central location and away from other users of the park. So, you, you know, you're avoiding collisions with people riding bicycles or people trying to have a picnic, um, et cetera. Yeah, uh, and it's safer for the dogs that way as well. And you're mm-hmm. going to be, who knew that a dog-friendly area would make the ballot? But it turns out if you live uh, in Lincoln Park or Lakeview or Lakeview. most yeah, most of that community, that you're going to be on the ballot? Yeah, so uh, I, I touched on this earlier. You know, when we first started this process, we, we met with our local officials. We walked the area. We talked about uh, potential areas to put it, and um, they said, hey, you know, we would really like it if you put it east of Lakeshore Drive. And we said, well, that's problematic for two reasons, okay? Number one is you've got a bunch of dogs on leash going back and forth across the bicycle path, which is not safe for anybody. And then furthermore, you know, uh, in the wintertime, it's just that much further to walk, and now you're right on the lakefront and exposed to the wind. So we made it very clear from the beginning we wanted it west of Lakeshore Drive, and uh, that's what we applied for, and that's what the Park District approved us for. And so right now, um, you know, after going through everything that we've been through, uh, the politicians are once again saying, oh, well, it's got to be east of Lakeshore Drive. And so the reason it's, it's on the ballot is that we want to make it 
black and white, uh, very clear, that actually the proposal from the Park District to put it west of Lakeshore Drive is what, in fact, the community is in favor of. It's a non-binding, I think they call it, referendum or something of that nature. So, uh, yeah, still an advisory referendum. Right, and it still advises uh, the powers that be that this is what the community wants. If you live in that area, you'll see it on your ballot. I hope you vote for the dogs. I mean, who would vote against dogs? You can't do that. Do you have a website for more info? Yes, uh, you can go to uh, lakeviewdogparks.com. Perfect. Jeff, thank you so much, and good luck to you. Thank you. Take care, Steve. Bye-bye. So there I was at a veterinary conference called the Wild West Veterinary Conference in Reno, Nevada. And I'm having dinner with a friend of mine. Her name is Becky. She's a, a veterinary technician. She a registered veterinary technician who's been on the show uh, several times. And we're just chatting, and she said, You know, Steve, could you possibly, tomorrow, because my flight's tonight, see my boss present? It's a presentation on leadership. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I said, yeah, actually, it's between the talks I'm giving. I I can go. She said, I asked where this talk was. She said, go to the business room. It'll be in there. Oh, by the way, uh, he also is friends with Dr. Liz Bales, who I know and I'm friends with. So bring that up, too, and he'll really love you. So I go in the room. I went to the business room, it's called. So I go in the business room, and I do a great talk about Becky. I talk her up for like three minutes. That's a long time. They actually just talk. I'm talking about how qualified she is and what a great speaker. And she is a great speaker. And and how enthusiastic she is and what a difference she's made nationally for veterinary technicians. All true. And then I said, oh, by the way, I know Dr. Liz Bale. She's riding horses more than ever, and I'm talking about her kids and her family. And he finally looks at me. He said, who are these people? And I look at his name. It didn't match the name Becky gave me. I was in the right room, but it was the wrong guy I'm talking to. And then I realized, okay, there are two business rooms, and the guy that I want to talk to is in the room across the hall, actually. So then what do I do? How do I get out of this, you know? So I I said, well, uh, <laughs> I've got to go see the guy next door, which in essence is saying, I don't want to see you speak. I want to see the guy next door speak. It was the most embarrassing thing. So I went up to him, and I now I'm practiced anyway, right? So I have a better speech about my friend Becky. So I give that speech even better. And then I talk about my friend Dr. Bales. And, and he's like, oh, wow, you know all these people. And we take a, a selfie together, which I sent to both of them. It was the most embarrassing thing ever. This won't be embarrassing. If you're on TikTok, for all of you on TikTok... I've got a page. Well, it's not really my page. It's our kitten's page. Groucho underscore the funny cat. And he is a funny cat. It's so much fun having a kitten in the house. So check out Groucho. You bet your life. You ought to do that. Groucho underscore the funny cat on TikTok. Next week, internet superstar Topher Brophy will be here talking about his book, Dog Dad. We'll talk to you next week, bright and early.